Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So I know we've kind of been gone a little bit, which is unusual for our show. We're usually pretty good about, you know, being uh, uploading a, a show pretty much every week. Uh, just a lot of things going on. Um, been working at a promotion at uh, work, and that's been taking a lot of time up. So, but we are back. We are, for those that didn't already notice, this is supposed to be our off Tuesday. So this is this is uh, making up for um, the shows we had missed uh, last week. We're also trying to work on getting another bonus uh, episode. I guess not bonus, but a make-up episode uh, later in this week to make up for last week to kind of get us back on track. Um, so if you haven't already seen the title, we are talking about Night's Watch. This will be possibly a two-parter, could be a three-parter. It'll just depend on how quickly we can get through a lot of info. Um, Night's Watch had a lot already revealed, so I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to get it in a two-parter. <clears throat> uh, see, and we will also be going over a couple Stark attachments that we had left out of the Stark uh, show, and that was my fault uh, there, <clears throat> the Calvary attachments, which is why I missed them on the app when I was going through and uh, screenshotting everything we would talk about for those shows. Um, sorry, I just downed a whole meal, so um, a little uh, last minute here. But tonight we do have with us Justin and Spencer. Thank you guys so much for being on, especially on a <clears throat> on our off uh, off week. Not a problem. Yep, Tuesdays are pretty much the same for me every week. <laughs> yeah, I barely can well, tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we can jump right into it. Uh, tonight we will be talking about the attachments for Night's Watch, the NCUs, and the units. So there's only, let's see, three NCUs. Uh, and six attachments, and how many units? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, of which I think two of them were already revealed, but uh, <clears throat> they were just slightly changed from when they were revealed, I think. Uh, either way, should be a pretty uh, quick run-through, but first we're going to jump into the Stark attachments, the Winterfell Guardian. So for this attachment, it is a one-point attachment, which gives Dauntless. Each time this unit passes a morale test, it restores one wound. And Stubborn Tenacity. Each time this unit passes a panic test, one enemy they are engaged with suffers one wound. Um, I think in the right unit, this is an amazing one-point attachment. Uh, I'd say in Flademen, this is awesome. I know Flayed Men only have a six-up morale, which is just a little above average, but uh, with how much damage they already do, uh, this uh, attachment would be amazing. I mean, it's kind of competing for an already good spot with the Hedge Knights, but uh, either way, I think a really good attachment there. But I think its home is really going to be in the um, Tully Cavaliers. But otherwise, I think those will be the two key uh, units for this guy. Uh, Justin, what do you think? 
Uh, yeah, and Sully Cavaliers, he's going to be disgusting, and it's going to be kind of annoying. Uh, without, like, morale bonuses, anything that's, like, six and up, he's definitely not bad in, uh, but you're going to get diminishing returns, and, like, half the time it's not going to work, you know? But when it does work, I, I usually look at things uh, very, like, point efficiency-wise, so changing up whatever battle you're engaged in by two wounds uh, because you passed a panic test is pretty wild, especially after you just got attacked. You know, they do a couple wounds to you, and then all of a sudden you've healed one and done one. That's That, that, that can be pretty devastating. So I think for one point, he, it, it's kind of nice seeing these attachments that cost one point that do two different things and that they, like, work together. He's definitely going to be used in Tully Cavaliers a lot, I think. What about you, Spencer? Yeah, he is practically made for Tully Cav. Um, that, that plus one morale from Embolden is just such a big deal on this guy specifically. Um, I mean, you could try Tully Outriders. I mean, they're really actually not any different than Hedge Knights or, uh, you know, or any other Cav. Uh, well, I suppose you don't really want them with Zors. Uh <laughs> But, but yeah, I mean, he he seems very good value for one point, and that's really what you're looking for in an, an attachment, really. Um, making Tully nine points, though, is quite expensive, so it's hard to say if he will show up in competitive play, but I think he's interesting enough to at least come with him final. Now, to kind of jump into our next attachment while also mentioning the value of the Winterfell Guardian. Uh, You cannot expert duelist this, uh, you know, cavalry attachments, as we know with, you know, Cal Drogo being immune to, uh, you know, having expert duelists and being immune to it. Uh, Keep in mind that um, the Winterfell Guardian will be a one-point investment that you will not have to be worried about being sniped out of a unit as well as uh, Brennan Tully, the Vanguard Infiltrator. He is, uh, I want to say, also a one. No. Sorry, I only screenshotted the... Yeah, I'm trying to look it up right now. So, two-point attachment. Yeah, the Vanguard Infiltrator. He uh, he gives you the order mark target, so start a friendly turn, one enemy in line of sight and long range, they become vulnerable. And he also gives the outflank, uh, may hold this unit off the table and reserve, deploy them when a friendly unit uh, NCU claims the maneuver zone. You would deploy it within short of a friendly flank table edge, then they would not be activated yet. Um, I think uh, super valuable. Outflank is awesome. Uh, ability, two points. I don't know. Uh, I suppose, you know, when you have uh, the Reaver um, in the Greyjoys, that is one point for Outflank. Um, the fact that this is on a Calvary unit, it's you can put it in a much more dangerous unit than the Reaver Captain can go in. Uh, not only that, the Reaver Captain can only be Greyjoy units. You do get the marked target. So I suppose two points. Um, <clears throat> you really have to be building your list around this outflank. You do not want to be spending two points 
for a mark target uh, if you decide to deploy your unit on the table normally. Um, so we'll have to see where he kind of, you know, uh, fills you know the gaps in some lists, uh, but I would say that around not like completely around in like the whole list won't have to center around uh, this attachment. But you're really going to have to invest some uh, some strategy in your list building to this attachment to really get its uh, value. Uh, Spencer, we'll start with you first. What do you think? Looks like uh, Spencer dropped. Uh, while we wait for him to reconnect, uh, Justin, what do you think of uh, Brendan here? I am the new Spencer now, so my opinion may be different. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Two points is pretty heavy uh, because of Calvary specifically. Like you said, Outflank is really good and dangerous in Calvary, but Calvary aren't like always the cheapest or ever the cheapest, obviously. So what are your options? You have an eight-point. Uh, are, you have an 8-point, a 6-point, a 7-point, and a 7-point. Or no, two 8-points, 7-point, 6-point. So no matter what, you're looking at an 8-point unit. Mark target's obviously always great. Never going to complain about mark target. But uh, I guess he's just okay. Um, I don't generally like outflank in this game uh, for whatever reason. I think it did change... So I don't remember exactly what it was before, but when you brought people on, like, uh, they would get activation tokens or whatever. But now they don't get it, so it could be really good. Um, but if, like, my opponent had Brendan in, like, Tully out or Tully uh, Cavaliers, I'm going to take that horse spot literally constantly. No matter what it took, I would be taking it. <laughs> And if he took a first round or, like, first turn of his priority round, that gives me time to turn and face the cavalry too. So um, it could be good, but it's also something that your opponent uh, who's playing against the outflank can work against. They can't obviously completely counter it every time, but at least they can prepare for it a little better. So that could be nice. Yeah, so... Uh, I forget what yeah outflank used to be, but I do remember what uh, Brendan's out version of outflank used to be, which was um, you could just start of it was start of the round any round you would deploy him within short of a flank or table edge, so you could go from the back of your opponent's deployment, but they would deploy uh, with an activation token, but you could. Uh, you know, you had sudden charge, so you then could take the maneuver zone to give them a free charge instead of a free attack. Or sorry, no, you could. Uh, you didn't need sudden charge because if you put him in outriders, you could take uh, the maneuver zone, which they used to have the ability for a free charge instead. Um, <clears throat> and then worst case, if your opponent took the uh, maneuver zone away from you for doing that, you then had sudden charge as a backup um, overall I like this version better uh, I think it's a lot more tame while still being very strong uh, but like you were saying Justin two points it's a heavy investment for a cavalry unit especially for an ability that uh, is situational um, outflank you know if your opponent does it just right I mean, outflank is a positive and a negative all wrapped in one because you have to spend um, 
know, the first, uh, your first activation, pretty much taking that zone, if you don't want to avoid, if you want to avoid your opponent from blocking out the maneuver zone every round, especially if it's like a Baratheon player that's running Alistair, you know, or Alistair, you can <clears throat> essentially block the zone every round for the entire game if your opponent doesn't make it their first uh, activation. Uh, with that said, uh, Spencer, what do you think of this guy? Uh, you guys hit a lot of points. Um, him being too, being too like his biggest detriment, but I also understand this could be too powerful as a one-point attachment, so they kind of had to. Um, I would consider trying him in something like Stark Outriders who have ambush and a retreat option to kind of combo with it. Uh, yeah, um, outflank is difficult right now. <laughs> uh, i played a couple times uh, units with outflank. Sometimes they work really well. And sometimes my opponent can counter it by just, hey, I'm going to maneuver like one unit and then try to engage you. You didn't yeah, really gain anything from dependent. it. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's, it's matchup got... dependent and uh, it just depend. I think a two-list format really does help without flank. Go ahead, if you had more. Um, not really. I was just gonna say it. it's interesting. Again, it's a mechanic I consider playing around with just to try. Uh, maybe in a two-list form, have one list that has the, uh, a single unit to outflank. Could be useful uh, if you see your opponent might not be planning for it. You know, like you said, that you know, trying it out can never hurt. Um, especially you know, get some casual games in, uh, some test games without with. You know, with this, uh, in particular, this uh, attachment. Um, <clears throat> but with that said, uh, that kind of wraps up the little uh, bit of Starks we had here. And to get on to what I'm sure most of you are listening into this uh, show for, which is the Night's Watch. And, you know, I know most of you that listen in uh, to most of our shows, uh, or even just some of them, have realized that our show is a little more optimistic, uh, mostly from, you know, I'd say me, uh, with a mixture of some of our other uh, co-hosts. But, uh, you know, I'm still going to be relatively optimistic, but Night's Watch, uh, yeah, I mean... I'm going to put it bluntly, I think the only real answers to Night's Watch are silver bullets um, or, like, tailored lists. I think being able to build your list to be, like, all-comer, even in a two-list format, the, the fact that you would have to tailor one of your two lists to face Night's Watch uh, is... It's not healthy for the game, in my opinion. Uh, Night's Watch are they're on a whole nother level, in my opinion. Um, they yes, there are some lists out there that could make it a you know a real challenge. But like I said, you're you're looking at silver bullets and tailored lists, um, or you know the dice gods determine you know one way or the other. Uh, at this point, since they've revealed everything. Me and Spencer have gotten ton of games in, and we've been testing the crap out of Night's Watch, and it's a little frustrating, uh, to say the least. I do not believe between me piloting them or Spencer piloting them, 
that they have lost yet. Um, and that's with us trying to tailor lists. That's with us trying all comer lists. Just, we're trying everything. And then once we found the things that were really way too powerful, we just stopped using them. And then we would just build whatever lists. And those lists still went nuts. So, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but with that said, let's, I guess, get into the attachments. It's not all doom and gloom. There is so much cool design uh, aspects of the Night's Watch that uh, I love a lot and a lot that I don't like. Um, and we'll get to it bit by bit. Uh, first, we'll talk about the attachments. We'll talk about the generic ones first. First up, we have the Senior Builder. Uh, for the Senior Builder, he is, where'd he go? Uh, improve, he has improved defenses. When you control the wealth, this unit gains plus one to defense dice rolls, and he also has stake building. Once per game, at the start of any round, place one stake terrain with the dangerous and destructible keywords within two inches of this unit. This terrain may not be placed over other terrain or units. And he has one point. So uh, I made a list, which I it's just kind of silly. Like, it's it's really silly list. Um, and I played against Spencer with it, and I'll, I'll get your... Uh, thoughts on it in a minute, Spencer, but it's basically four conscripts, uh, two with senior builders and two with uh, Stormcrow uh, lieutenants, and then one vet with, uh, who was it, uh, Jorah, I think? Um, uh, yeah, I think it, it might have been Donald Noy. Here, let me check. I have my lists right here. Um, so... It is, it's Jor, no, it's not Jor. Wait a second. Um, you said Donald Noy, I said Jor. It looks like yeah, so. it, it was, hmm. Anyways, it doesn't really matter who your commander is because. <laughs> uh, no, the commander didn't matter. Um, you, it, the list is meant to uh, be um, for a mission with five objectives, because now that the objectives are preset, you have you know in in the shape of an X or like a, a five on a on a, a D6. So you basically move the two with the senior builders up, and then uh, to the objectives on the flanks uh, on your side of the table, and then you place your your stakes. You then fight over the middle objective to then win out on that objective with two conscripts with storm crew lieutenants so they're always swinging at max dice with sundering uh <clears throat> as long as you have the wealth obviously but um you know you do your best to have it and then you have your vets who are a tank in their in in their own right uh and the funny thing with having that many conscripts, you can keep using their order for was it, supply lines or whatever, supply aid. And you just have the two that are behind these stakes now on objectives feeding wounds into the other two with lieutenants, and then you feed those wounds into the vets. Uh, and it just kind of gets silly. 
And to attack the ones behind the stakes is not suicide, but I don't know, there's definitely ways around it. You could have a ranged unit uh, could do some uh, damage, but then you just, uh, I believe I had Awful Yarwick um, NCU. It just, it got kind of silly. And, and um, I believe. Senior, <clears throat> yeah, the senior builder, um, for one point, being able to throw out a stake uh, in a, on paper, it looks completely fair, but throwing out a stake like that, it's just, that's one point where you eat up an entire action of your opponent if you're able to throw it in such and a spot so, that they have to deal with it. It's just going to pull out, and there's so few units in every army that can ignore terrain. I mean, some armies don't have any units that can ignore terrain. So it's like, great, I had to base, and I was playing Baratheon. Uh, um, like, I have combo at all. Yeah, you have the one attachment, but you weren't, you were running, I think, uh, um, what was I running? I was running Stannis Loyalty. I don't remember who the commander was. Yeah. I think it was Yeah, Stannis. so Baratheons, Baratheons are definitely, uh, you know, I guess a hard, uh, a hard match for Night's Watch, I think. Or, you know, it's hard, an uphill battle for Baratheons, I think. Um, but, uh, I don't about know. Just keep going. <laughs> uh, Justin, what do you think of the senior builder here? Uh, I completely understand what you guys are saying. I have yet to play against Night's Watch. In 1.7, uh, yeah. I will say as a neutral player, they've always been the hardest matchup for me, and I don't think that's changed for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> so his first half, the improved defenses, I love that because I really like defensive abilities and I really like buffing units. Uh, so I'm like, oh, that's super cool. But then I read once per game at the start of a round, which, yeah, it's not as flexible as start of a turn, but at the start of a round, especially around, like, I don't know, round three where it matters an unbelievable amount that you need to get to where you're going. Uh, it's crazy that you can like, especially if you take the the free attack or something, uh, you completely stop your enemy from getting to an incredibly important unit of yours. Like, Oh, I don't know. What about those crossbows that everyone talks about? Right. <laughs> and then even <laughs> if you do get to them, they got plus one defense die. Like I think one point for the stake building alone is a, seems to me to be kind of really good. Uh, but then he's got that other ability, too. That's that's crazy. Yeah, and I, don't, I like the idea behind it, but maybe if it was, like, a stone wall instead, uh, instead of a stakes, uh, I don't know. Or, like, a hedge uh, and just something that isn't stakes. <laughs> or you can even, like, give them the option, hedge or stakes, I guess, like, I don't know, not stakes. Uh, I would say a wall makes wall. more sense because that's something you could actually build. You could even make it a little stronger and be like at the start of any turn, you know, once per game, but instead of the start of the round. Uh, and now you can throw out this piece that would still kind of fit with the theme, but stakes, man, stakes are so, like, they're so dangerous, Uh that, you know, in the amount of damage it can put out, that 
you you literally can't like charge over the thing unless you are charging over it to finish off a unit and then stay there, you know, and and know that you're going to survive. But the amount of damage because you take the damage before you attack, so you on a roll of a three, you could lose an entire rank before you ever swing, and then you know it's I don't know I just I'm I'm okay with the piece itself doing what it does, but for uh, I mean, could you imagine how ridiculous it could get if instead of those two Stormcrow lieutenants, I just was like, ah, I want two more stakes, so I'll run I'll run four senior builders, and I don't know I think it gets a little a little goofy, maybe even limit how many senior builders or something. I mean, I guess I only have two in this list, but. Um, which is already a little gets a little silly with uh certain strategies but I don't know it is what it is I don't think it's like super overpowered but I don't know I just don't really care for it um yeah uh with that said uh well the other there's only one other generic attachment which is a watch recruiter he has the order insight when this unit is performing a melee attack before a rolling attack dice, attack gains vicious and rolls highest attack die value. And then he also has reinforcements. Each time this unit activates, it restores one wound. If you control the crown, you get plus one wound. So this is going to be another complaint I have is that Night's Watch are supposed to be, are supposed to be the elite faction, but by no means are, have any of the downsides of an elite faction. And one of the things that the developers have said, um, Michael and Fabio, is that uh, their attachments are going to be stronger than other factions' attachments. So if, like, uh, a one-point attachment for another faction is going to be the equivalent of, like, a one-and-a-half-point attachment for uh, Night's Watch. And we see that with this uh, attachment in particular because there's a lot of attachments that we've seen in other factions where they're straight up paying one point to have insight. So the watch recruiter is giving the insight and then you just have reinforcements extra. But Night's Watch were actually paying a premium for their units. But uh, as we've seen, they've had uh, other than Ranger uh, trackers getting a one point bump, they've had a uh, a decrease in points across the board. Uh, hunters down uh, one point, vets down one point. Um, uh, the catapult is down two points. The scorpion is down two points, and I believe there's uh, one more unit in there that was uh, that went down a point or something. Um, but yeah, it's you're getting better attachments for an elite faction that isn't really elite by any of the negatives. They're only elite by all the positive things for being elite. Um, so all I have to say about the watch recruiter is he's amazing. Um, if you're already paying one point for, let's say, the Umber uh, cha uh, champion or the um, the alpha for free folk, or I believe there's another one, um, I could be wrong, but uh you know this is already amazing um i have been putting them in uh in vets you know the vets are already super defensive i know they lost a, a defense save but they're so defensive already this gives them some bite 
this ensures that they can have that vicious and always high stack die value, and they're healing themselves. Uh, for one more point, to put them back to the eight points you were already spending in uh, 1.6. So, uh, yeah, uh, Justin, what do you think about this guy? Uh, I mean... He's really good. <laughs> Just like the watch builder, I, I don't know what to say. Like the the incredible units they have, the the buffs in the form of vows on top of these attachments that cost one point that have two one point abilities minimum, but really they're like in healing two wounds because you have the crown. I don't know how important it is for them to take the crown right now, but uh, it's still just insane the amount of like survivability they seem to have. Yeah, I would almost rather these guys uh, lose insight, uh, or this this guy lose insight, and then maybe make reinforcements be uh, two wounds, and then plus one wound if you have the crown. So simply heal two when you activate, and then possibly heal three if you have the crown. Uh, but that would be all your all you get for one point, which I think would be more than fair. I mean, that's still a lot of healing uh, for one point. Um, and insight's but, really good now. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I know it's an order, but still, I mean, a lot of the times your vets aren't the unit you're giving a free attack to. Uh, so that fact that they only get it once is all they really need most of the times. Uh, what do you think, Spencer? Yeah, he's just really good. Um, yeah. And like you said, so far we see no downsides from from an elite army, which is part of the problem. Yeah, I think in our games, uh, I always match, if not sometimes have more activations than you. And it's because you have Ghost, Conscripts, Watch Marshal, you can just take uh, three NCU lists, and now, you know, you're running just as many activations and it's just i don't know um it's i'm okay no, my, with uh nice uh, i was going to say real quick i'm okay with nice watch just not having that label just just do away with calling them the elite faction I'm, there's nothing that says they have to be elite uh, but it bothers me to call them elite and then have no downside of elite as if they are elite but yeah, go ahead with what you're saying. I was going to say, as a Baratheon player, I actually think Baratheons have more quote-unquote elite negatives than Night's Watch. Like, to have a solid list of Baratheon, I have to have more activations than the average Night uh, Watch list will have. It's mm. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... Before we rant too long about these two attachments, uh, both amazing uh, for one point. And uh, we can go on to the, uh, let's see. Oh, sorry, one more generic attachment. It's the Calvary one, though. It's uh, the Watch Marshal. He has two orders. One is adaptive planning at the start of any turn. Target one combat unit in long range. Replace one condition token on that unit with any other condition token. And then order swift retreat. After an enemy completes a melee attack on this unit, 
this unit performs one retreat action. So I do have to say, super glad that they took away the double tapping uh, sh shooting that he was before. But, um, uh, sorry, I took uh, all these screenshots and then forgot to get the points. Um, He's one point. Oh, really? I thought yep. he was two. Um, yeah, man, one point. Again, amazing. Uh, that for one point. Adaptive, like, Swift Retreat's really good because, you know, you put them in your trackers to ensure that they constantly uh, keep getting out of combat to continue to shoot every round. But adaptive planning, that's an ability you don't see on a lot of things. Uh, I think, like, the only things in the games that really do it is, I think, Tyrion and uh, Stannis. And the fact that you have a generic attachment that can start swapping tokens around the start of any turn is really strong, especially because you put him in trackers and trackers have marked target. You can turn, um, you know, a list that was designed for throwing a bunch of vulnerables everywhere. If like you're running two trackers to now you could just start running uh, or throwing out uh, pan or not panic, or you could do that too, but weaken tokens everywhere. Like if you have vets, um, you know, because counter, uh, what was it, uh, disrupt and counter strike uh, with weakened tokens. I mean, guy is amazing at one point. And uh, I know a lot of people have given a lot of hate to the trackers being seven points. I've run them a handful of times now. I think they're right where they need to be, to be totally honest. Uh, they've put in a lot of work for me at seven points even. Um, I know it's hard to justify them over all the other amazing seven-point options. So I can't, uh, even though I think that they're right where they need to be, I don't know if I can advocate for more than one of them. I think they're a nice, solid support role, and they, they do what they do well. Um, we'll go to you first, Spencer. What do you think of this, uh, this attachment here? Uh, again, another nice watch attachment that has great value for its cost. Um, like you said, so few things have adaptive planning. And uh, putting it on ranger trackers who already have marked targets, you can definitely start turning things into weakens to make things hit less. Uh, Night's Watch has pretty solid healing all around, so you don't really, you know, making your opponent do less is already going to make them frustrated. Um, yeah, just a good, good, good attachment. Uh, and you could even put it in something else entirely, like, hey, let's just throw it in Hedge Knights or, you know, whatever you want. Yep. Um, Justin, how about you? I think in the context of Night's Watch, that's what seems to be this guy's strength. Uh, I think, well, once again, it's just two abilities for one point is pretty wild. Uh, none of my attachments do that. <laughs> um, I think this one's a little more tame than the other two, to be honest. Uh, it's still, like I said, two abilities that are both pretty good. I mean, he probably wouldn't be worth a point with just one of them, but he's definitely way over a point with both of them. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I don't... But at two points, well, at two points, he might still be worth it. I don't know. 
He seems <laughs> like he'd be very tame in most factions. In Night's Watch, he makes it impossible to do anything, it seems. Yeah, and uh, going on to our next uh, attachment, I, I apologize, I know I already said this once, but we do have another ger- generic attachment. He was kind of mixed in with the, the named attachments. We have the Hardened Ranger for one point. He has Furious Charge, which is uh, successfully charged uh, units become vulnerable. And then he also have, uh, has Elusive Escape. This unit may reroll any retreat distance dice. Enemies this unit disengage from may not pivot and become weakened. Now, I have to say, this one is definitely, in my opinion, fairly, very fairly priced. Because um, Furious Charge only happening on the charge, um, I find to be a lot less, uh, you know, useful since you're not getting it all the time from every attack. It's only when you charge, and that's if you even got to charge. So uh, I I just see this part as icing on the cake. It's really the elusive escape that you're purchasing purchasing him for, in my opinion. And I think uh, at one point, it's a nice, fairly uh, priced attachment. Very strong, uh, and some of the combos can get kind of, kind of creative with him with the you know uh him and some ranger hunters or whatnot uh so we'll see uh how he kind of plays out i haven't gotten a chance to really play with him a lot but i think uh think of all the ones we've talked about so far he's definitely the most uh right you know where he needs to be uh justin what do you think it's interesting you say that i think he's more problematic than the marshal personally you have more experience though so uh with that so i think your opinion probably is a little more heavy than mine on this and probably more believable. Just the simple him and Ranger Hunters is ridiculous. Just like it was before. You're getting a vulnerable on the charge that you probably don't like. I probably wouldn't use the vulnerable for my charge attack because I'm getting more dice throw on the charge attack. I'm going to use the vulnerable on the, the, the bow because I'm going to charge in, swing with seven dice, hitting on threes. I'm going to retreat if I roll high enough, which I have a six-inch movement, so it's not that hard. I can potentially retreat into your flank, and you can't maneuver around it. Or you can't the it around also it. lets you re-roll the retreat. Yeah. So you're going, like, with a re-roll, you're probably going 10, 11, 12 inches to the side. So you're going to shoot them in the flank with a vulnerable token. So 14 total dice, two panic tests. One of those or seven of those dice are probably at a minus one with a minus one to the panic test. This eight point unit's going to kill literally any eight point unit I have. And I think neutrals are amazing right now, but they will get stomped on by these guys. I think <laughs> like, even if I attack the ranger hunters, like, yeah, they have a five of defense, but they have a five of morale. They're, they're harder to kill than my bastard girls and bastard girls are fairly durable too. Which is weird because they have a six-up save. I know it seems counterproductive, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely know what you're talking about. You know, you know. I know you know. I love my berserkers, and you know, even you know, 1.6 or 2021 version, either one. You know, five up, uh, four up, or five up, five up with unyielding. Either one, you know, is actually fairly, uh, you know, survivable. Uh, people don't give uh, that high morale a lot of credit. And the fact that, you know, that's something we can talk about with Night's Watch is, you know, uh, amazing morale across the entire army, essentially. Like, your conscripts uh, are a seven now, which is uh, still 50-50. 
and uh, you know the I believe the crossbowmen are a six, and then everything else a five pretty much. It's just it's crazy. Uh, I mean I know you, you want them to kind of be elite, but you're unless you have like morale like vicious or like morale modifiers everywhere like Lannisters can probably have, or you know Bolton uh, neutrals. You know, you're looking at effectively not really doing any panic damage throughout the entire game. Uh, you know, a little bit here and there, but it's going to be such a minimal amount that you're you're going to have to straight up kill Night's Watch with dice, like with your attacks. Uh, and you can't, you know, rely on the amount of uh, damage output you could do with panic. Uh, and then combined with how much healing they could possibly get, I mean, you're looking at a really tough faction to really, you know, take down. Uh, so, but uh, that little, that little tangent aside, uh, Spencer, what do you think of uh, the Hardened Ranger? Well, first I'm going to correct you. Crossbowmen are a five as well for morale. Um, then... Yeah, this unit, or this uh, attachment, the Hardened Ranger, he's going in a Ranger Hunter. That, the, the potential of what he can do in that unit is actually insane. Like uh, David said, we have not personally played this combo yet, but that's the only thing I think he's actually going to go with, is that. Um, and it's going to be really good for an eight-point unit. But otherwise, I think he's fairly priced, actually, just like David was saying. I don't think he's crazy. He's just crazy with this one unit. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, I definitely, uh, you know, now that you mention it, uh, Justin, that combo I think would get really silly. And I think you're potentially, you know, one-two tapping uh, any moderately defensive units. So, you know, like your average uh, four-up, six-up you know, units without any, like, outside dicks cards or other, like, defensive effects. Like, your average 6-up, 4-up, uh, or sorry, 4-up, 6-up uh, unit, you know, I think they're going to pretty much 1-2 punch if you have a hardened ranger in there. And, uh, you know, like you were saying, Spencer, this is, that that combo aside, he's very, I think, fair. But him in them, I know they're 8 points, but, uh, I mean... If you're one-two punching something, especially the fact that it happens all within an activation, like one activation, does it really matter if you're, you know, eight points, if you can deal with an entire unit in one activation? Well, it's uh, also I that mean, they'll be able to retreat out of line of sight. So you yeah, can't really and weaken you. Yeah, the combo potential is ridiculous. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I could see some uh, lists where it's like, oh, uh, Ranger Hunters with John, Ranger Hunters with a uh, Hardened Ranger, Ranger Hunters with a Hardened Ranger. And then, you know, what are you looking at? 21, 22, 20, that's 23 points. You fill it in with some uh, conscripts, uh, and then, the now you still have a... So that's uh, eight, so that's 31 you can then have one. You still have a five and a four, Amon and Yarwick. It's going to get really silly really quickly with some of the lists you can come up with these guys. And the fact that they do, I mean, they don't have long range, but 
and sometimes you don't need long range. Sometimes just simply having a ranged attack, you know, short range, is all you need to take advantage of a lot of the things you can do with, uh, you know, stealing the combat zone to, for a free attack uh, before your opponent can if nothing's engaged or whatnot. So uh, we'll have to see uh, how it uh, all plays out. Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, we have Gren and Piper. Piper. So uh, Piper, Piper has the order Swift Retreat. After an enemy completes a melee attack on this unit, this unit performs one retreat action. He is one point. And then Gren has uh, the order Taunt. Uh, for one point, which is uh, order of when an enemy in short range activates. If that enemy can charge this unit, it performs one morale test with minus one to the roll for each remaining rank in this unit. On a failure, it performs one charge action on this unit. Um, this is their action for the turn. Uh, so, And then they also have a clarification on the back of Piper that you can, if you put Piper in uh, Gren's unit, you can ignore the attachment restriction so that you can have, you know, obviously taunt them into you and then get attacked and then swift retreat right out of combat to kind of suck them in without being locked. Uh, cool, fun combo. I think both of them completely fairly priced and even with that little attachment restriction uh, bonus, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think there's nothing really wrong with either of these two, and I think it's kind of cool that they, uh, you know, gave that little uh, fluff in there of being able to put them in the same unit together. Um, what do you think, uh, uh, Spencer? Yeah, I think it's going to be mostly for the fluff purposes that you play these guys, because unfortunately at two points that put them in the same unit, I don't see them being worth some of the other attachments we've already talked about. Um, I'm not quite sure where they envision this potential to be. Uh, maybe in, I don't know, in, uh, veterans, just because they're really durable. So you're like, okay, I'm going to taunt you into me and then retreat. Um, or to pull an enemy off like an objective or something. I, I, that's about all I can see them. Maybe with crossbowmen to get my other order for a free shot. Um that's about all I can see them doing. <laughs> but I do think they're at least fairly priced this time. What about you, Justin? Uh, I could see... I, I I feel like people don't put a lot of value in Taunt, and I think Taunt's a really good ability. You just need to get it in the right unit. Um, so I don't know if I would pay... No, I probably would. It depends. I don't know. The Pipar, by the way. It's Pipar. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I want to put both of them, but like I could easily see Gren being right at home in vets. Just nobody wants to attack vets, obviously, because you're going to do nothing and just get punched in the face in return. Uh, so this is going to make them like how many? Not anything with like a six-up morale or worse is probably going to fail and have to charge vets, which sucks. Especially if you fail the charge, it sucks even worse. <laughs> um, sure. Pipar could be nice for the the retreat, but like in vets, they don't really need to retreat. Yeah, you'll get the charge bonus, but they kind of they're they're comfortable staying where they are. They'll be fine. So I do I do think they're both more than perfectly priced, though. For if you're already over, you're uh, you're cut so that you can retreat one inch. 
to hold the objective. You're cutting You're out. You're cutting out. No. Oh. I was thinking, okay, I was thinking the retreat for Pipar by using him to overgo an objective and then retreat and hold the objective uncontested. Well, that's fair, too. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty good plan. So next up, uh, we have, we're done with the attachments, so we're jumping to the NCUs. We have three of them. First, we'll talk about Donald Noy, uh, the expert blacksmith. He has expert maintenance. Donald begins the game with two order tokens on him. Each time a unit is performing an attack, after rolling attack dice, you may remove one order token from Donald. If you do, choose one. The attacker may reroll any attack dice, and opponents cannot expend it weaken tokens from the sh from them or the defender gains plus one defense dice rolls and opponent cannot expend vulnerable vulnerable tokens from them um i think uh i don't know i i think he can be very clutch in certain situations i would like to see him with three order tokens though i would have to say out of how amazing their ncus are donald is um, it's no longer as crazy now that vets are a four up. I know they have the disrupt and the um the counter strike, but what I what I mean though is you can't make them a two up save without being able to expend the vulnerable. Uh they're only gonna go up to a three up, no vulnerable and if you have sundering or whatnot. So I don't see it as big of a deal. And then the re rolling attack dice, um and no weaken tokens. I don't know. I, I would like to see it, I think, be uh, three order tokens. But um, even at two, I think he's uh, still pretty strong. Um, but at two, I can't see myself running him very often. Uh, Justin, what do you think of uh, Donald Noy? Yeah, I'm kind of confused what happened to him. They gave him the versatility of, like, he makes you better on the attack. But if you charge, then it's really not a big deal unless you really don't want them to use a weakened token. So the versatility that they added isn't a big add to me, and it doesn't justify him going up a point and losing a token. So I think, like, he should have stayed at four with two doing this or gone to five with three, probably. Um, but with that being said, Donald Noy was always just up pain to play against. I loved it because he was definitely like my favorite NCU rule-wise in the game. Uh, I just really liked the idea of giving, making guys indestructible, but not only did like his balance uh, personally change, but also as you said, the army's balance changed where nothing has an innate 3-up save going to a 2-up. So only having a 3-up save, plenty of dice are still going through. So he's not as making a unit indestructible for this attack as it used to be anyways, and he lost that token. So, yeah, I agree with you. So I did remember, though, so maybe the reason they only did two order tokens, they did mention that vets went to a four-up and changed roles because they do plan to come out with, like, a true, like, defensive Night's Watch unit. So I can only imagine it's probably another builder unit, and it's probably some just like a unit of big, burly, defensive guys that are probably very similar to the Iron Makers, you know, um, very elite, very tough. I mean, they won't have, like, pillage, obviously. I'm, I'm sure they'll, you know, just maybe naturally have a two-up save or something, maybe a three-up. Um, but, 
So maybe that's why. Maybe they, in hindsight, they didn't want to have Donald Noy being able to make these guys unkillable for, you know, three of, you know, five rounds because, you know, first round you're not really doing anything. And then arguably you're not even doing anything second round in some games. So, um, I don't know, maybe that's that's why. Uh, but with what we have, what we're seeing available to us, yeah, I'm not sure. Two order tokens just doesn't seem like enough because uh, he is five points, right? Yeah, he's five. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think I could ever see myself because I was when I said that I would only take him sometimes before. Um, I was in my brain, I was thinking it was four points. At five points, I would never run him. Two order tokens, no way, not even a chance. What do you think, Spencer? I agree he's a problem with only two order tokens. However, I love Donald Noy, so I probably would still run him just for the heck of it. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I would do it like in a tournament because there's way better options. Um, I love the concept of this guy, and I kind of wish he wasn't in Night's Watch because he f- feels like he would fit so many other factions really well. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, he's kind of in a rough spot and I feel like he needs one more order token as well. Yeah, I think one more order token for five points with the possibility of, um, another like super defensive unit coming out. I think, uh, three order tokens would be perfect for him, uh, cause some of them can be like super game changing uh decisions. So I don't know, we'll have to see. Uh next up Othel Yarwick. This guy this guy needs to be changed. I'm going to say it right right plainly there. He he falls under the same problem that other just you know Zeus from the sky throwing lightning bolts and just killing units. Uh, it, it, you know, Mel bombing uh, things. You know, he falls into the same category. I've been using him kind of a lot lately, uh, and you know, not to like, you know, oh, I want to, you know, crush some players. I've been really trying to test out a lot Be of nice stuff. Doesn't feel that way from my side. <laughs> <laughs> You're the exception. I don't care how badly I beat you. It's it's all in the, oh, you know. <laughs> but I feel the love. Yeah. So he, you know, before I keep going on with my tangent here, uh, it's he has War Machines of the Wall. Each time Alto claims a zone, you may replace that zone's effect with make the following range attack on one enemy combat unit. Uh, ranged Valley, uh, range attack three up to hit with three dice, and it gains plus one attack die, attack die for each of the defender's remaining ranks and the following based on the zone awful claimed. If you claim the crown, you get vicious. If you claim the wealth, you get sundering. If you claim the attack, a defender becomes weakened. So, um, you know, you can completely just annihilate a unit just from him. Uh, that list I had told you about with all the conscripts, I had three NCUs, one being him. Even though he's five points, I still had uh, I had two four-pointers. I forget what they were. I think it was uh, 
little fingers that I could once per round have the wealth and Amon and and then Amon for more healing and then Athel Yarwick. It just he himself just you know, oh, you have that ranged unit that's going to be a problem that I don't know if I'm going to be able to get past their defenses to get to in time. Also, Yarwick all game, and they're just, they're going to die. Because um, it's a ranged attack. They're still taking a panic test. So um, you could have, you're a full health unit. You have six dice hitting on threes. Uh, if they have poor leadership, you could go for that vicious, um, you know, make them take another D3, or if they're a higher defense unit, uh, Sundering, you know, or, you know, they're, it's their, like, key unit that's really strong and you just want to weaken them. It's just, he is such a great NCU, and not great by, like, you know, great design. I think he's just way too powerful. Uh, he's a feel-bad um experience that you just have this NCU constantly claiming any zone. I mean, those three zones give you benefits, but you can claim any zone and start raining, you know, arrows from the sky. Um, It's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he'll be good for the game in my opinion. Uh, With that said, uh, Justin, what do you think of this guy? Uh, I could see, so, I feel like he should be able to kill a five-point unit throughout the course of a game. I think where he shines is killing backfield, like, range units, like you said. And that would drive me absolutely nuts. But, I mean, like, six attacks, hitting on threes, that's four hits, you know, and you can block a few. Uh, So it's four hits around maximum. Well, no, it's six hits maximum. But you're looking at four hits around no more uh, because he can't do it anymore. He can only do it once because he replaces it. Um, I think he is really strong, but just mostly against your backfield range units. Against your front line, he's just doing chip damage that you can easily heal. Uh, honestly, you can probably heal, even with a bad range unit, you can probably heal most of the damage he does to you. So I don't see him being like that crazy. So what I did to Spencer was I, you know, I won the dice roll and I let Spencer go first meaning I'll go first in round two. And so I claim the wealth so that he can't heal it in that round, in round one, because you can do this right from the get-go, and then shoot him six dice. Um, Even if you only do, let's say, three wounds, because you're getting sundering there, you're probably going to get three wounds in. Now he's still at full ranks, but barely, by one guy. Start of round two, I take the wealth again and then I shoot him for another six at minus one. And so now the game hasn't even really started. We're just now starting to get our units next to each other, and you have a unit that's half dead. Yeah, but he's a five-point NCU, and he's doing literally nothing else. So he's not affecting the battle in any other way. He's directly killing things. He's very much having an effect on the battle. I said any other way. <laughs> like he's going to have an effect on the battle. Otherwise, why would you bring in to use? So, I, I believe though the point of the battle is to kill things so you can claim objectives. Correct. <laughs> yes, but all NCUs work towards that goal in one way or another. Not nearly as effectively as directly doing. I mean, 
like the math kind of just tells me that it it shouldn't be that bad. <laughs> like he said, though, when you have a unit half dead and it's a frontline unit because he can do that to anything, it starts to become a problem because you're like, great, now I have a frontline unit that's near dead and I can't heal it till round three. And a lot of factions might have healing, but they're situational heals. It it can be very problematic very fast. Yeah, but to kill that unit, he's going to have to four rounds in a row shoot it. You don't need to. You just need to weaken it up so another unit can finish it. Well, it depends on what... In one shot. It it depends on what you're shooting, for sure. But, uh, uh, yeah, you shoot a front unit, and you're like, oh... You're cutting out. Um, And now there's more activation problems going on. So, is he, like so insanely strong that There's he's going to kill a bunch of units? No. Either be toned but down damage-wise. You still there, Spencer? Yeah, I, I would just say because of his his effect that he can do on the, the game, he needs to either completely change or he, his damage needs to be toned down. It needs to be where he struggles to take a rank off a unit. Yeah, I don't know. I... I think a complete re- rework because I just I don't like these effects that just like uh, like Mel like him just popping units from from the NCU board. I just I don't know. I I find that they tend to either be not good enough that they don't really matter, or way too good. Because um, even in that scenario. I, I take the wealth, I shoot you, start of second round, I take the wealth, I shoot you, start of round three, okay, let's, you have the first ac- action, are you going to take that wealth from me to heal three and then leave the combat zone for me to then just take a free attack at you and then just use Yarwick to replace the crown to get vicious? It there's like no good uh there's not really a good answer unless maybe you win the dice roll you choose to go second that way if Yarwick shoots you you can take the zone but then it's it's a dice a dice up at that point and i don't know i don't like Yarwick at all um but uh that's just our experience my mine and Spencer's experience um for those that have, uh, definitely, you know, comment on, you know, our uh, post for the for the show, and you know, tell us your your uh, you know experiences with him. Have they been good, neutral, bad? Uh, you know, I definitely want to hear. Uh, but from our games, he's definitely just he's obliterated things by himself, um, which. I don't think Let alone is, uh, solo is healthy. He's just doing four straight hits to him. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Um, last up, we have Corrin Halfhand. Uh, he is now a six-point NCU. He has sacrificed for the cause. Start of any turn, if Corrin has, is not on the tactics board, you may destroy him. If you do target one enemy unit, that enemy cannot activate or perform actions this round. And he also has half-hands guidance. Influence, when influencing a friendly cavalry or infantry unit, it gains plus one move and plus one attack die. 
Um, so I have to say this, uh, even at six points, I think he's still too good. Um, barely though. I think, uh, you know, six points, that's, that's a hefty price to pay for an NCU as we know, kind of with Tywin, but, uh, some of his combo potential all game, you know, the, the upside to like Tywin is that he's not doing anything all game until you trigger his, uh, Reigns of Castamere. Uh, but Halfhand having this uh, uh, influence ability, and you put him on Hunters, and that plus one attack die is for his ranged and melee. Um, that plus one move is now making him, I believe, a seven move. Uh, you can influence Calvary, so you can put this on some trackers to give them plus one to their ranged dice and making them a seven move as Calvary. Um and that in itself is amazing influence. Not that that one ability is worth six points, but just the sacrifice part. Uh, I can't tell you how many games I've had where being able to sacrifice an NCU to be all like, all right, that unit does nothing this entire round. I mean, you could argue that that one ability in the right circumstances uh, is worth six points by itself. The same like with Tywin. Uh, Tywin, like the whole point of like a lot of his abilities that, you know, his like five different options that he can do to different units is the fact that you can make a key moment or a key uh, thing happen to help change the whole game. And I think sacrifice for the cause ability uh, is is right there, you know, and I understand why they have this ability. You know, it's very in line and in theme with Corrin himself from the books. Um, I suppose the show too, but um, I don't know. I think uh, I think possibly the the influence has to be toned down a little bit because um, I do like the sacrifice part. I don't know, maybe they could reword it a little bit differently to not be as effective, but um, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, in the right circumstances, Corn Halfhand is going to be, you know, uh, so often of game changer. You know, it, it's going to turn games by itself. Um, what do you think, Spencer? So yeah, we've seen him in our games before, literally win you a game because it's just like, oh, that's a key unit on turn three or four. I'm not letting that unit do anything of yours, and it's like okay, I now control this objective that you were about to come contest or something like that to win the game. Same thing with Tywin for those people who doubt him. Like I've literally seen even the six-point Tywin win a game because it's just the key yeah. moment that matters most. Um, I think, like you said, his influence I think is too good because I almost would say his influence is a five-point to begin with. Um it's not, I don't think it's a four point. I don't think it's a six point. It's about a five point for that influence. Um, Especially you, you compare it with Steyr. Steyr is plus one die for melee and sundering. This is plus yeah. one move and plus one attack die for all attacks on cavalry or infantry. Uh, I mean, and Steyr's five points. As a, a free folk uh, uh, NCU, he's five points. So, I mean, with that said, even if you were to say, okay, they're they're even, let's just throw, we'll just say they're even. You're basically saying that sacrifice for the cause is one point. 
Yeah, and like I said, we've seen that literally win a game, where it's like the game's close, I'm just going to sacrifice corn, and now the unit that matters most is doing nothing. Um, it's really good. I agree. I like his sacrifice ability, so I would rather see his influence toned down. I'm okay with the plus one move. I think it's the plus one attack die that needs to change to something else. And it still can be good. You just don't have it do that. Or either, uh, either or. Is, perhaps you could do that. Um, I think the problem I've noticed in, in general with Night's Watch is they seem to have no problem getting extra dice. You know, boldness and courage. Him. You have sword in the darkness. It's like they tried to tone down attacks, but Night's Watch were an exception where they still can stack a lot of attack dice. Yep. Uh, the Watch Marshal, the solo, uh, I believe, still um, gives extra attack dice on melee attacks. I believe only in short range, but yes, no, it's still like you can you can easily still get a Sworn Brother unit that has 10 plus attacks. Now they don't have the critical blow anymore, but it still can get nasty cool. real fast. Yep. What about you, Justin? What do you think of Corrin here? Uh, I mean, I've lost many games to Corrin in the past when he was five points, so <laughs> six points isn't going to change it. It just makes it a little harder to build the list. <laughs> Jesus. God, it sucks. When I position a bastard's girl to, to do what it needs to do to win the game, and then boom, you're dead. Because that's what happens. <laughs> it's not a, oh, you're just you're sitting there for the round. No, you're dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, Corrin, I don't know, six points. Like he c- Maybe if it was like beginning of the round instead of beginning of any turn, it would be a little more justified. Uh, and I don't think it's – I don't have the experience in 1.7 like you guys do, but I don't think it's – inappropriate for him to be at six points. I think he might be, that might be where he needs to be. You know, like, I don't, I'm not going to say he is or isn't. It's just like that, the choice of giving the ability of shutting off a key unit is, there's not a real way to justify the points. You know, unless he was like 20 points or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I think just kind of reworking it, tweaking a little bit here or there, maybe just plus one, uh, attack die for melee, and then uh, like yeah, you're the saying, melee. Uh, yeah. I think uh, what you're saying, start of the round, is also a good uh, a good addition, like to change it to that way. You know, right from the get go, you know, you don't have to like every, start of every turn be thinking, oh man, is are they going to use it? Well, yeah, because it makes any big play that you want to do for the entire game until it happens. Anytime you try to set up a big play, you know you're going to fail, so you can't. So if it's beginning of the round, you might be able to work around that. Like, okay, my unit's shut off. Maybe I can block it or use this unit to intercept. Play defensive for that round maybe just to try and survive. Yeah, Yeah. but otherwise, you are physically incapable of setting up a big play. Unless your opponent is just terrible. (laughs) Yep. And one thing I think, uh, I don't know, I, I hate to, like, assume it, but uh, one thing I think, like, maybe the playtesters or whoever, you know, fails to realize between him and Tywin is, you know, the fact that Tywin is just, you know, when it happens, it's 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 a one and done. You know, it's once per game, and that's all he does. Corrin, you can literally take advantage of his influence for five rounds of the game, and then round six, finally sacrifice him 
for this amazing ability and only have to go one round with an NCU down. So whereas Tywin, uh, you know, you do as a fact, you do as a fact. Like he, he's not providing an influence or other constant ability. So I don't know. Um, Tywin, I think, is amazingly like for six points, he's he's right on the money. Corrin, I I just feel like he's just slightly over overtuned for that reason. But um, we can uh, jump into the units here, uh, which is the last part of this uh, this show. We'll first talk about uh, Ghost because he's uh, fairly straightforward compared to the other wolves we've talked about. Same stat lines. He's got six move, a three up to hit with four dice, a four up save, two up morale. He has four wounds, free maneuver for his active when he activates. Um, he has the sundering. All that is the same as the other wolves. His ability is true bond. Ghost may treat any friendly tactics cards attached to Jon Snow's unit as also attached to him. When Jon Snow's unit activates, this unit may activate after that unit. So uh, the funny thing is, is I'm pretty sure that you Ghost went from being allowed to take vows to deciding that he shouldn't be allowed to take vows to now this rework allows him to take vows again while also taking advantage of the vows on John. Yeah, it's a double so, vow. So one vow, no vow, double vow. <laughs> so granted, you won't be able to stack the same vow, but let's say you put two vows on Ghost and like three on John, Ghost essentially has five vows on him now. Uh, it's a little silly. I'm okay with him taking advantage of the t- uh, vows that are on John, but I still would like to see a stipulation that says he physically cannot take the attach cards. But, I don't know, that's just me. I know they're not called vows anymore. They're just tactics cards that attach. But, I don't know, we all know that they're vows. At least the, you know, the ones with vow names are vows. But, uh... If you did that, though, uh, just to, to question this... If they did say that he can't have any cards attached to him, what would that matter? Every time you wanted to buff him, you just put it on John. The only time where it would matter is if John dies. Otherwise, he's it would just, like it's it doesn't matter. It would also matter, it would just matter for the immediate to effect. Activated to gain the, the vow, done whatever it takes. In the immediate effect, so it's not so like, like one, oh, Ghost goes into attack and we play light that brings the dawn on him. Instead, it would be John's unit has to attack and have gotten that vow. Well, yeah, but this guy uh, activates after John anyways. Only if you want to. You still could use him before. True. But... Well, I think the big oh. one would be uh, shield because, uh, you know, you, you're a Forp save with four wounds. You go, okay, shield that guards the realms of men to reroll my defensive dice to survive. Um, you you can play it. Blocking. But, well, but you wouldn't be able to if you couldn't attach it. You That's would what have I mean. to... Yeah, no, I, I see the point. No, he's he's just saying if you couldn't attach it to to Ghost, then he wouldn't get the auto blocks. He would just get the the defense die. The reroll. Yeah, the reroll. Yep. 
So if you wanted to actually block hits for Ghost, you'd have to save that to re-roll dice for John, um, which, you know, there's upsides to both there, because, you know, obviously if you're not using it on Ghost, Ghost might die, and then him having the block effect doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, overall, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, though, you know, a f- uh, is he three points? Yeah, he's just like um, the other wolf. So if you take John Commander, and so for free, and so you're getting this three-point uh, activation, uh, you couldn't, between all the different attaches, attachment uh, cards that you could put on him, I think you get really ridiculous for a three-point um, uh, you know, unit running around, uh, what, five attack dice, sitting on threes with thundering, um, shooting across the table, you know, auto block one, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, if you have less ranks, you get... Um, Oh, I guess highest attack die wouldn't matter. Highest but attack die, which he doesn't have different ranks, so. But there's so many different, like, attached cards that could give him benefits. Like, John has the one for free charge if you take, what, the maneuver or the combat zone. Um, so I think this three-point uh, investment could get kind of ridiculous between all the different attached cards you could probably get on him. Um, but with that said, we're going to jump over to conscripts, uh, for another cheap activation here, four points, um, five inch move, five up defense, five up morale. They have uh six, five, four hitting on fours with the uh, melee attack. They have disorganized, which is they suffer an additional wound when they fail a panic test and supply aid order. Start of any friendly turn. This unit suffers up to three wounds. Restore plus one that many wounds to one other friendly unit in long range. This is amazing unit, four points. Amazing. Um, this is almost like an auto-include one of at least in every list just to make sure that you can match or exceed the activations that your opponent can do while healing up your seven... Uh, plus point units with this four point unit. Uh, and I know there are five up uh, save with a seven up morale and suffer an additional wound, but that's not as bad as it sounds. Like um, with everything hitting worse with less dice, these guys are going to stick around a lot longer than you might think. And then, uh, and then you got to ask yourself, do you attack them while leaving the stronger stuff to just rip you apart or do you attack the stronger stuff and let them heal them back up uh, and from our games I've found that there really is no good answer like both have their merits and both definitely have their downsides um, me and uh, Spencer have talked about that I think uh, what you possibly need to do to make these guys run on part or where they need to be is give them uh, uh, adaptive is that the name of the word where or the yeah. name of the ability where they get a, a one point discount on an attachment I know that doesn't technically make them uh, cheaper or more expensive but it it raises the amount of points you have to invest in the unit then we're talking about making five them five eight. points by the way yeah so you'd make them five points you never clarify that we're talking about making them five points and adding adaptive Correct, especially if we want if this is supposed to be the elite faction, 
they should not have a basic 12 wound unit that's four points. Um, so five points with adaptive and supply aid, change it to be for everyone that you suffer is what you heal, not plus one. Um, you're already uh, feeding a super weak unit into a stronger unit. You don't need additional wounds from whatever you dealt, especially if you just choose zero and you get a free wound. We noticed that like in my list with the four conscripts and I just go, okay, I'm just going to use my order, not take any. And then I get essentially four free heal, four free wounds every round. Um, if I choose to just take no wounds off of anything. Um, and then disorganized and the morale, because before it was uh, cowardly and you suffered two extra wounds and the morale was an eight, uh, like the uh, raiders, I believe, um, uh, from what I believe we saw in the, the leaked stuff, um, they had the same words. Uh, I think put one back, either make them an eight morale and leave it as plus one, or change it to plus two and leave it as seven. It, changing uh, both to be better, and this goes for the Raiders too, um, I think is too much. For a unit that's supposed to be a lot more you know, flimsy, uh, I think uh, a seven-up morale is, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just barely above average. You know, it's, it is average for dice, but, you know, we kind of refer to a six up being like the average um, for morale uh, stat wise, not like, um, you know, for what you roll. So I would say one or the other. Um, so all those changes, and I think uh, these guys are still a great purchase for Nice Watch um, at five point. I mean, because essentially you're still getting, um, you know, you can run the uh, recruiter in them and still have healing and insight, and they're still an amazing unit at five points with that attachment in there. Um, so I don't know. May I cut in That would be a start. Yeah, go ahead. I would also say it also makes a lot of sense fluff-wise. Like, let's be honest. You're not going to have a whole bunch of new recruits running around on a battlefield by themselves. You would have a actual Night's Watch you know, brother being in the unit to lead them. So it also makes sense, in my opinion, from a fluff perspective. Yep. And, uh, and before then, I get your – oh, go ahead. Okay, so uh, finish up. Well, I was also going to say the change to supply aid also, in my opinion, makes sense from a fluff perspective. It's like, okay, supply aid is really just – we promoted conscripts, equal conscripts, up to whatever they were healing. Or it's like, okay. Yep. You take exactly how many they got promoted is what that really happened. We promoted them plus. to vets. Yeah, <laughs> but this way it's not the, the extra plus one of one round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I feel one like it makes a lot of sense before. to do these changes. Yeah, one thing I want to mention before I jump over to uh, you, Justin, is that another change I wanted to uh, s suggest on the show, you know, because. One problem that we've encountered with the with this faction is being able to attach as many vows as you want to a single unit gets ridiculous. It it just it's insane the amount of buffs you can have on a single unit, and it's easy to do. In all of my games, me playing, Spencer playing, my nephew playing, who Night's Watch is his main faction, 
you can have so many attach uh, cards and it's easy to do. Um, one change I thought would be a, a cool way to uh, change it to would be uh, every unit can only have one vow attached plus one vow for every attachment in the unit. So now a base unit with nothing in it will ha only can have one vow. If they have, let's say, your commander in there or any attachment that you purchased, you can now have two vows attached. Let's say you run Pip and uh, um, and uh, Bren. Now you can have three vows attached to that unit. Uh, let's say, I don't know, make a new attachment that you know is like the Reaver Captain where it has some ability, but then it also can ignore attachment restrictions. That way you could, you're paying the points for it though, essentially. You're not paying the point to have the vow, but you're investing in additional points that you put in these units to allow for multiple uh, um, vows to be attached or attached cards or whatever. So now, you know, you can have like upwards of three. And now I think three can still be really strong, but it's a lot more manageable than having like seven attached cards, making this unit some like god on the field with all these different effects. Because let's face it, when you add that many small increments, you've now increased the... Uh, the unit by like two points in their um, how good they are. You know, when you're plus one attack, I auto blocking one hit, auto, you know, attacking at high, or not auto, but when you're at less ranks, attacking at highest, and all these other things, really worth two more points, and that's a big deal. So I think, uh, I think only having one attachment uh, attached at a time is a little too restrictive, but I think adding this uh, little, you know, thing in there that allows you to invest, but also increase the amount that you can have attached would be a good way to go about it. But that's just, I guess, my opinion on it. Um, Justin, what do you think? Uh, uh, I was going to say again, can I cut in just so I can go off of that real quick before you go to Justin? Yeah. So personally, I'm okay with the Night's Watch having the, like you're suggesting, the plus one for every attachment. I personally would like to see attachments in general be only one per unit, because even as a Baratheon player, I can get some ridiculous combos going on when I have Tactical Approach and Oath of Duty active. And it's like, okay, I, before I attack, you get a token, and I will immediately expend it for three straight damage. I mean, it, it can get... There's other factions that can get a little ridiculous with attachments as well. Um, they're not quite the same as Night's Watch, but they still can do it. And that's all I wanted to say is I would like to see attachments go to one per unit across every faction, and then Night's Watch could have that exception you're, of plus you're one per attach per cards, unit. right? Not attachments. Yeah, attach okay. cards. What do you think, uh, Justin? I don't know. I mean, I. I couldn't say any more about this unit than you guys did. I think you covered literally every single possibility. I think it's a very good unit. I think it's a little silly that you can keep a four-point unit behind you, five points with a watch recruiter. You can just keep them literally behind your center line, and they can just heal up all your expensive, ridiculous models the entire game. And if you keep them behind your units enough, they're untouchable. It's literally just yeah. a four-point, twelve-wound sink. Well, even like David did in his one list 
just sit them on a five, you know, when there's five objectives, sit them on there and have a senior builder to throw a stake and be like, now nah, you can't, you don't even want to come at me. Yep. I think they're um, incredibly we'll powerful. within long range. Yep. So, yeah. Um, what, uh, Justin, what do you think about the, my suggestion about the attach attachment restriction, at least for nice watch, if not for everything, like every faction, like, uh, Spencer was saying. I think it can be extremely detrimental to some factions. Uh, honestly, I don't know. It could throw the balance off too much where some factions just... So you're talking about like one of each attachment in the army no more, right? Uh, attach card, not attachment. He was mis- misspoken. Oh. Oh. I was talking about how, like, even as a Baratheon player, if I take stance, I can do the tactical approach for auto three wounds if I expend a token. And with Oath of Duty, I can give a token right before I attack. So it's like, all right, whenever I attack, I'm just auto-removing three wounds. And it's just like, I can get some silly combos going on there, and other factions can as well. There are some silly combos you can do with other factions with multiple attached cards. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't see a problem with it. I think, I think it could make sense, uh, with the attached cards, like some factions it won't matter for at all. Uh, like neutrals, I only have one attached possibility anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I guess it would probably be okay. Uh, next up we have the Builder Crossbowman. So I think the only thing they changed was... Uh, they reduce their attack dice. Um, they now have a profile, a range profile of hitting on threes with six six four. Uh, I'm gonna say it's a start, but still way too good. With the combo potential that they have, with all the other key uh, things that we've seen now, these guys are ridiculous. These guys are crazy good. Um, John in there for boldness, courage. Uh, run Yarwick uh, Commander for you know his attached card to let them hit on twos with plus one attack die. Um, one for one of them is if you're a builder. The other one is if you have the wealth zone. Uh, I forget which one. I was going to mix it up between the two abilities. Uh, but still, the potential that you can put corn on them. And uh, and have that attached card and have you know your profile be eight eight six hitting on twos and um, you could have a watch captain in there for attacking a ton of times and then you can't even charge them in the front without then getting attacked again. Uh, it's just a little ridiculous. Um, I think. I think uh, these guys, if you change their morale to be like a seven, um, I don't know, maybe a six uh, is a start. Uh, and then you just take a, tone down like the potential of adding to them, then they're not so bad. Uh, you know, six, six, four, they're seven points, you know, and they only can shoot you if you charge in the front so you can get their flank. But... Um, 
you know, being able to make them hit on twos with the extra dice and then watch captains and uh, boldness and courage and just all these different things that you can add to them, it just makes them ridiculous. Uh, this unit um, just has way too much potential at long range even. Uh, and then even if you do get close enough, being able to re-roll all those dice with Thundering uh, is just, it gets a little nuts. Um, Justin, what do you think? Justin had to go. Um, oh, okay. What do you okay, think, Spencer? So I, I would say the problem I see is this unit as is is eight points. This is not a seven-point unit. Um, they're so scary to try and charge, and it's that you're on a timer when there's a watch captain in there. You have to try and get engage them fast to shut them down, and you really can't. You cannot get to their flank very quickly. Uh, like we said, you can have cheap conscripts just guarding their flank, and they're just going to mow through whatever's in front of them. Um, I would say a six-up morale. I, I'm okay with a six morale instead of a five. Uh, and I think they need to probably relook at the watch captain and look to possibly change him so that he doesn't work with them. Because uh, that's where I think the real problem comes from. Othel is a problem as well. However, I look at it and I go, that's a commander working with his specific stuff. No, it's not. It is bad, but it's not insane bad if they struggle to get boldness and courage and can't activate multiple yeah. weapons. So, you know, with the whole thing with morale for Night's Watch, I think it would make a lot more sense if, like, you know, the Ranger units were like a five-up morale, and then you made, uh, um, like, the Builder units like a seven-up, and then you made, uh, like, anything not those two a six-up, you know, like the Sworn Brothers. I mean, you could make the Vets a five-up because they're veterans, but, you know, Builder, you know, yeah, the I'm Builder not, faction. I'm not against the, I'm not against the five-up. Um, I don't think it makes any sense on a builder unit. This this is something that's used to sitting behind cover and just shooting. (laughs) If something gets in their face, they should be scared because that's not what they're used to seeing. Yep. Yeah, they they see very little action at all, like in the books, you know, except for like when the free folk actually attack the wall. But, you know, they, uh, you know, the... (laughs) They put, uh, what is it, like Scarecrow, uh, I forget what they call them in the books, but basically Scarecrow's on top of the wall to show, like, to try to uh, mimic, like, people being on the wall to man it. You know, the builders, yeah. you, know, they're, you know, they're builders. They're they're not, like, these super fearless people, you know, because in this game, a five-up. No, because then is... they would be a ranger or a swarm brother. <laughs> Yeah, well, so the reason why they put them probably in the builder spot is you're not as uh, reliable as these other guys. Well, and sworn it's funny because Sworn Brother is just a generic name. Like everyone is a sworn brother that has made done their vows. So like it, yeah. it's funny that that's like the name of a unit because technically every single person in your faction, uh, other than arguably conscripts, are sworn brothers. Um, so, but, uh, but I don't know. That was just kind of a tangent there, but crossbowmen way too good, uh, with their combo potential with so many different things in the faction that just put them way over the top. 
Uh, next up, we have the Watch Marshall. Again, a four-point cheap unit for the Night's Watch that just allow them to have as many uh, activations as any other faction. Uh, Six-up move, a three-up to hit with three dice, a four-up save, and a three-up morale. Has the order tactical reposition at the start of an enemy turn. Target one friendly unit in short range. They perform a three-inch shift. Then he has an innate ability called Marshall. This unit has three wounds, and at the start of its activation, it may perform one maneuver or retreat action. Other friendly units in short range get plus one die on melee attacks. Um, I think uh, a great four-point investment. I mean, you're probably not going to see more than one of these guys uh, in a list. At least, I mean, you could, but um, they've definitely toned them down a little bit, you know, not giving a... Uh, I think like the follow me order, which allowed them to give a free maneuver uh, to a unit, like start of uh, any time they moved, because like you could choose to do it when they did their free maneuver or when they actually did their action if the, if it was a maneuver march. So it was a lot more uh, flexible there and a lot more powerful of a move. Now that it's just a start of an enemy turn, giving a three inch shift, uh, a lot more tame. Uh, I think, though, the plus one attack die, I don't know, I'd almost rather just see plus one move. Um, other friendly units in short range get plus one move or something. Uh, but, because like you were uh, mentioning, Spencer, that they just have so many ways to give extra attack dice. It it gets too crazy sometimes, especially when you have Sworn Brothers. I believe they have, what, seven dice, but you can get them up to like 11 dice with hitting on threes with thundering, reroll and vulnerable. I mean, I don't know. I, I just would like to see all these extra attack dice go away on on the Night's Watch and you know the Watch Marshal. You know, it would fit with uh, the theme of you know the tactical reposition, the fact that he's a lot you know a fast solo. You know, giving that plus one move to just kind of make your guys that much faster. I think would just be better. Uh, what do you think of the Watch Marshal? Yeah, part of the problem is, like you said, cheap activation, which they have way more than an elite army should probably have. Um, I'm okay with him because he's solo. However, I do agree, too many attack options, uh, boosting attack dice in the faction. Um, they can hit harder than any other faction, and yet they're they're not costed for that, and, you know, co- costed appropriately for that potential. Um but I don't mind it just, uh, him being a cheap activation because you can only have two of them. And they're actually not that durable. I do wish his morale was a five, just like a rather swarm brother. I go, he sh- I don't feel like he should be, like, if you're going to go with this whole five across the board thing, he should be no exception. I think it's just because of the crown zone. Uh, they have to be careful with the morale because on a five, you know, you hit him with a crown zap at a uh, on a six. Now it's just barely uh, better than a 50-50. And then you have a 33% chance that he just dies from a crown zap. Um, Perhaps, but I also go, again, elite faction, it should not have cheap activations, and this is one. So it's like if you take him, you are taking the risk of he could be one shot. I would say maybe give him four wounds, make him a five-up morale. That way you can't be one-shot uh, normally from the crown unless you have some other effect I could accept that. or something. 
Um, I can accept I can that. I just don't see why he should be like, I'm immune to, to morale, and I'll just sit back away from people just buffing up my guys. Yeah, because, I mean, with three wounds on a four-up save, the chances that you get to the morale portion of the attack is pretty slim. So you're probably just going to die from the attack. It's like the, the dice itself yeah. um, before the morale ever I'm matters. okay with him going to but, four wounds, but having a worse morale so that he's at least vulnerable to morale shenanigans to try and kill him without having to engage him. Yeah, I mean, he, and that needs fast enough to, like, get away from most uh, most things if he needs to. So, uh, yeah that morale might give a, an answer to him. Um, but that's only if he's like plus one attack die. If he was like plus one move, it wouldn't be as big of a deal to just let him sit there and do his thing. Uh, but plus no, one I attack don't. die, you, you kind of have to deal with this guy. You can't just let him sit there giving a plus one die to like two to three units uh, for the entirety of the game. No, I can agree. Fuck. All right, let's see. we got two more units here. Uh, first, we'll talk about the Builder Scorpion crew. It is now five points instead of seven. as a four-inch move, uh, a long-range attack hitting on threes with two dice. It has a melee profile, uh, which is three dice hitting on fours, a five-up save, and a two-up morale. This unit has six wounds, cannot control objectives. This unit cannot gain condition tokens, cannot charge, cannot retreat, and cannot shift. Uh, it has the innate ranged ability of bolt thrower, gives it vicious, measures range and line of sight from any part of its tray, may suffer minus three to hit to ignore line of sight and gain unlimited range. Defenders do not roll defense dice, and for each unblocked hit, Calvary and Monsters and War Machine units suffer two wounds. Um, important to note that you can, uh, if you take Yarwick uh, or the Builder, uh, I forget which one unlocks which one, but um, Yarwick unlocks one and the Builder unlocks one. One will give him uh, Overwatch, which is if you end your uh, a march or maneuver within long of it, uh, it gets a free shot. That's one point. Or you can give it mounted stakes for one point, which is when this unit is charged, um, the unit will take D3 plus one auto wounds, as if you had went, basically as if you had went over stakes. Um, both are very strong abilities, especially if you give it both abilities, you put it back at the seven points as it was, but uh, it's still, that would make it really strong. Um, I like it. I think uh, it's very, fair at five points, the fact that you can't control objectives. I mean, yeah, you can't give it weakened or anything, but if you charge this thing, it's stuck in combat unless something else comes in to save it. Uh, unlimited range isn't so bad because, I mean, you're hitting on sixes with two dice, and uh, what is it? Uh, it no longer does extra hits unless your cavalry, monster, or war machine, so your infantry units are possibly only taking two wounds. I mean, you're going to take a, a vicious panic test, but, I mean, max this unit can do to you is five wounds, and that's with a, a, a three on a failed panic. So uh, for five points, I mean, seven if you take those two, uh, six or seven if you take one or both of those uh, uh, upgrades. Um, yeah, I, I think... Uh, 
it's totally fine. I know unlimited range can be kind of annoying, but again, um, unless you have the spotter for, I believe, re-rolls, even sixes with re-rolls is still not, uh, you know, it's not like it's some amazing thing that's going to hit you over and over and over again. Um, what do you think about this unit, Spencer? Uh, I think you're misreading it. This is for every hit it'll do the wounds. So if you're shooting at a Calvary unit, and this is a Builder unit, so you can also throw Othel Yarwick's Commander card on it for plus one die and plus one to hit. Now it's three dice hitting on twos, hitting a Calvary unit for six auto wounds and a Vicious Panic Yeah, for five that's why I said infantry. I said if you're oh, shooting okay, an infantry, the infantry unit, the max you could do is five. But yes, if you're shooting a Calvary Monster War Machine and you put that attachment on there, then yeah, you, you could do some serious damage. You could be looking at, um, granted, hitting on twos, you're looking at, uh, um, you'd have to be within long range and you can't shift, so you don't have that 14-inch bubble. Uh, but um, what should I call it? I uh, think it's a little too good because I also... I also look at it and I go, why is it basically immune? Like, this is a Scorpion Builder crew. There are literal bodies there that I can affect. Why can't I weaken it? Why can't I panic them, really? Like, um, you can scare a crew. Those guys are very, even more than the crossbows. These guys are less used to having someone get in their face. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little confused as to why they're that durable against those things. Uh, I think it's it probably comes down to if you make them, uh, they had to make them uh, survivable some way because if you make them too glass cannon, because these guys would probably be the like the definition of glass cannon, but I think you would have to make its offensive potential way too strong to make up for making it super weak, if that makes sense. It's five so they points. had to give it some. It's yeah, really but cheap. if you could just. Well, five points is not cheap. It's the baseline. It's pretty cheap. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's the baseline. That's I'm, I'm five points. Like, That's like the. Them, but I, I, I could definitely see mostless having one of. It's five well, yeah. points. That's, that's uh, pretty cheap to be able to do auto wounds to units. Not auto wounds, but unblockable hits. Yeah. But uh, what I guess what I'm saying though is if you make it where it can get condition tokens, and if you make its morale, let's say, like a 7-up, um, and you just, you know, I'm not, you know bomb I'm not, it. But yeah. um, I don't know. I, I'm I understand one or the why other they had to give it. Like either it can get condition um, I mean, tokens, it or it has a... You could then make the argument, though, that why can't they control objectives? I mean, they are people, and they are, you know... I don't know. I, so I feel they're actually I, almost too durable for for what they're doing. I mean, six wounds. You're paying five points for a unit that has half the wounds um, that another unit would have. So you got to ask yourself, even if they are basically immune to morale, um, uh, a normal unit isn't going to take their remaining six wounds that they get ahead of another unit in morale. So like a, like a Sworn Swords has 12 wounds, but 
they're probably not in the course of the game going to take six of those 12 wounds from Panic uh, now that Panic's only D3. So, I mean, that's one way to look at it is that, you know, because it only has six wounds, um, you know, you could say, okay, well, give it 12 wounds, but then make it a normal Panic, uh, like a, a six or whatever, and can gain condition tokens. But, I don't know, I, I understand why they had to have some sort of, like, defensive abilities um, uh, and they're very situational in the sense that you you really want to shoot cavalry monster war machine if your opponent doesn't have any of those this thing isn't really going to be doing much of anything um, in my opinion it's no but I also look at them and I go one of the big weaknesses is going to be like cavalry monster I, I'm, I mean I'm not really going to go war machine because <laughs> Night's Watch is the only faction that has them but uh that's kind of their big weakness, so being able because they can engage them quickly, but they're gonna do massive damage to that to that unit. Yeah, but um, what should we call it? Uh, at that point, the morale won't even matter. I mean, six wounds on a five up uh, is shouldn't be too hard to do, especially because the way their trays are getting flank on these guys is pretty easy. So it's basically a six up. Uh, save, but um, I mean, I haven't uh, used these yet, uh, so I guess uh, we'll have to do more testing with the with the, um, the war machines. I've done pretty much testing everything else. I think I've tested basically everything else other than the uh, the war machines and the hardened veteran. Um, next up, uh, and last so, up, we have. Um, what'd you say? I think so, other than like some of the attachments, like you said, Gren and Pipar, we haven't done them yet either. But yeah, we've done pretty much everything else. Continue. Um, yeah, no no problem. Yeah, uh, and uh, my nephew, he is, uh, Tyler, he has, uh, he's played uh, both of them uh, twice now um, with uh, some success. Anyways, uh, last up, we do have the Builder Stone Thrower. Uh, went from 10 points to 8 points. It has a 1-inch move. It has a range attack of four up to hit with two dice and a melee attack of four up to hit with three dice. Uh, five up defense, a two up morale. Has six wounds, cannot control deck to, uh, objectives, and cannot gain condition tokens, cannot charge, cannot retreat, and can't shift. Uh, has the innate ranged ability of cannot attack solo units, may attack enemies regardless of range and line of sight, if this attack generates any hits, instead of rolling defense dice, the defender suffers one wound plus one wound for each of its remaining ranks. Um, so this unit, uh, way better than it was, in my opinion, because before it was it was horrible to play against. That no one ever, at least my gaming group, no one ever wanted to play with or against it because it was just a bad experience for someone. Either you missed and it was a bad experience for the player running it, or you hit with it and you just obliterated things. Um, now, for eight points, though, you're, you're, you're spending two less points on the thing, even if it is weaker. I think it still slightly falls into the same category, uh, because like you were saying, you can run Yarwick and make it a three-up to hit with three dice. Um, and now, granted, the extra dice just guarantees that it gets its effect, because 
uh, you only need one hit to trigger its uh, um, effect to generate the wounds. But it's still a lot more tame than it was before because, uh, I mean, you will cause a panic test, so they could lose some from the panic. But uh, let's assume that uh, you're going to pass more than half of your panic tests. So you're looking at uh, possibly you know, a max of four wounds from the physical attack itself. Eight points, I mean, that's it's a big investment, especially when you have so many other options at eight points. Um, again, haven't played this unit yet. I'm going to say it's it's one of those, I don't know, I, it looks like it's fair. Maybe uh, on the really strong side of eight points, but fair. Um, with uh, the you know some of the potential like things that you can add to it, uh, I think might make it uh, a little too strong, but we'll see. Uh, I know I'm pretty sure you can't add the um, attachments to this, so the Overwatch and the stakes, uh, the mounted stakes. I believe those are Scorpion only attachments. Um, so yeah, uh, what do you think about this one, especially compared to the Scorpion? I will say this, I mean, it's three points more than the Scorpion. So, I, I mean, you got to keep that in mind. This is far more devastating than even the Scorpion, just because this is auto wounds. Unlike the Scorpion, you can actually use stuff like Harden and and Shield Wall, oh, not Shield Wall, but you can use auto block effects against the Scorpion. You cannot against this. This is just straight wounds that you're taking. Um, yep. And this one, unlike that one, this has unlimited range and line of sight. It, it, from turn one, it's going to pretty much choose an infantry unit and remove a whole rank. Uh, and it can shoot, I think, multiple times in a round. So it's like, okay, crap, I have to block the free attack round one. or Otherwise, my opponent will take it, eliminate a, a rank, and then do it again when it activates. Um, Especially if you it uh, seems run actually really powerful. I was going to say, I know like what? you'd want to run Yarwick uh, Commander, but you could even argue, you know, run Yarwick uh, NCU. And uh, now you can cover up the the heel with Yarwick NCU and shoot something. And now they're forced, like round one I'm, I'm talking, and now they're forced to cover up the attack so that you don't Yarwick them and then shoot twice with this thing round one. No, I, I see crazy damage potential because this unit does not care about what your armor is or what your abilities are. Uh, this is something, and you can't remove its abilities. It's all under the heart innate abilities. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't put tokens on it. It's immune to panic, so you can't try to panic hurt it, really. Um, I think this is actually a really strong eight-point unit. Uh, I don't think you would take more than one, probably, in a list because they are expensive, but one of, and just have it sit in the back or in the deployment and just let it do its thing, uh, it could really hamper some armies pretty badly when it's, all right, by the time we get into combat, every one of my units has lost a rank. Um, yep. It, it, it could do some massive problems for eight points. And a unit that's just trying to sit, say, in a five-objective mission, just trying to sit on an objective is not going to be fun either when it's just going to pound away at you and cause some panic. Yep. 
Yeah. The more we talk it, about it's it, another I mean, unit granted, I think that it's another ahead, unit I could see causing thought. problems. I was going to say it's another unit I think could cause problems and might need a slight tweak somewhere. I'm not quite sure where. But I could see this being another problem unit, but this is something we haven't tested, so I don't know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's hard to say because, I mean, two dice on a four-up, you should, on average, always hit with it. I guess it is, without that plus one to hit and plus one die uh, card, you know, it is a quite possibility that uh, you fail some rounds to hit with it because, uh, you know, let's say averages, some rounds you'll hit with one die and miss with one die, which still results in a, a hit. And some rounds you'll hit with both, which does you no good, and some rounds you'll miss with both. So it's hard to say, but I think, yeah, if this thing goes off, it, it, it can go off pretty good. But uh, we're running short on time here. I want to, you know, end off the show with uh, saying, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be back and kind of back in the swing of talking about this stuff. And, you know, again, I Night's Watch has so much about it that is just way too good but i'm hopeful uh i'm hopeful that uh you know uh uh michael and fabio will hear all of our feedback you know not just uh you know the content creators but just the community um so anytime you play as or against them you know give your feedback you know that's something that they're looking for i know they're probably going to wait for some like tournament data but you know Every little bit helps, you know, try to make it constructive, you know, maybe uh, instead of just like complaining, uh, maybe give some solutions, maybe throw some ideas out there, maybe they'll like something, maybe they won't, um, you know, I know they'll they'll do their best to kind of take what they can to, you know, I trust that they're, they got the best interest of the game at heart, you know, they love this game arguably more than any of us do, so, uh, you know, I'm hopeful, uh, you know, that, so that kind of concludes this episode. Uh, I believe we're only going to need one more to finish off the, sh uh, this faction, but we'll see. Um, you know, I want to thank, uh, Justin. I know he had to leave, uh, you know, thank Justin for coming on and thank, uh, thank you Spencer for coming on. Um, you know, definitely, uh, keep an eye out for our next show should be, uh, coming up sometime this week. Um, for those that, uh, you know, uh, haven't, uh, you know, heard of us before, you know, definitely share us out, uh, like, and follow us on Facebook. Uh, we're on so many different uh, platforms, you know, to, you can choose any one of them. We don't really care which one uh, you choose. You know, we just want to give you guys some content to listen to. Uh, with that said, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>